You're listening to the Fox in the Phoenix podcast, understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, dual gender male to female crossdresser, LGBTQ plus advocate, TEDx speaker, and author of the Living with Crossdressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of BoxandHanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you, girl? I am doing great. I'm a liggity lit. I have all the feels because I have an incredible evening planned. Ooh. Tell us all about it. Well, so my friend from college, Robin, who I'm, she's a lovely, lovely woman, and I just adore her. And our mutual friend, Chris, Chris lives in San Francisco, and he actually has a female persona um, that is named Queen Dilly Dally. (laughs) So she dresses like the Queen of England and makes joy and sparkles everywhere. And she is actually... She has been sainted by the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Yes. And if anyone, ha- I mean, I can't, how would you describe them? They're just amazing queen. I, I wouldn't call them a drag queen. I wouldn't call them a crossdresser, and I wouldn't call them a nun. But they're somewhere in between with like the philanthropic soul of, think about the greatest giver there ever was. I mean, they are really attached to all these really important causes. You know, they started in 1979, but they're really helped out with the AIDS epidemic and just LGBTQ plus. And I just can't wait to meet them. I'm going to meet them tonight. I guess they're sainting like three other people. And Uh, for me, it's like, you know, I haven't been out in two years. Yes, true. Haven't been in the city and I'm I'm spending the night at a hotel with my friends and I just feel I know, right? Look at me. Goodbye, suburbs. Hello, queen life. Like, I feel like I will be my lit <laughs> drag queen self. Like, that's what and, I want. And we know that your spirit animal is a drag queen, so. Yes. And I'll just let you know, we do have um, one of those chapters of those sisters. We have one in Greenville in and South Carolina. tell me about? That's amazing. We have a chapter in Oakland, I guess. Yeah, they do philanthropic and charity work. They yeah. are an order. That's why it has that nun quality. One, they do dress like quasi-nuns, very flamboyant, you know, rhinestones and huge eyelashes and Mm -hmm. vibrant colors. A lot of them don't shave, so they'll have full beards. So think about like kind of a a sideshow-esque kind of look to it with this huge nun hat and flowing robes. And you you start off as an acolyte, I believe, and you have to work your way up in the order to become a higher rank of sister. I have met a couple in my day here down in South Carolina, either through protesting or just somebody happened to come to a meetup group who was a lower acolyte. They're just spreading the word, even just by being, like they're being different and fantastic and a little, yeah, and magical and flamboyant, just a little bit outside that norm. And they just show up and be and do and do all this great work for the communities, uh, either locally or nationally. And it's just awe-inspiring. And it's like I had never heard of them until coming down to South Carolina, which is just simply ironic in so many ways for me. It really is. I thought it was a San Francisco. I'm embarrassed. I thought it was a San Francisco thing, but it's kind of like when I 
brag to my musician friends that I like the I love the Almond Brothers, man. I just love the <laughs> Almond Brothers. And then he looks at me at a concert because I've been to several concerts in middle school. And he said, what's your favorite song? I don't know. He asked me something where I just felt like the biggest poser ever. So like, I love them on a certain level, but I had no idea of, I, I'm just excited to talk the shit out of some, some sisters tonight. Cause I, <laughs> but I had no idea they were like a chapter in different states. I, yeah. I have a lot to learn. I, yeah, I could look more into it. Um, and actually I'll probably leave a link to their organization in the show note, but yeah, they're definitely uh, an organization that you're would definitely not have heard about unless you've yeah. heard about it. Um, so I'm, I'm excited for you to have this uh, evening out or weekend out, I should say, which Thank is why you. we are coming to you live and not in person uh, here on a Saturday recording for the podcast. So Julie could experience her weekend event. So excited for you. But I'm not the only one. You have some plans. I do have plans. I do have plans. Uh, somebody uh, named Tina, who I've met in Colombia. Tina Renee. Like it seems like it's been a year. She's coming through town for her work and we will be enjoying the day together tomorrow. That's so, amazing. Yeah. And she's been a listener from the start and I love hearing you do it more than me because I live in the suburbs and I like to, you know, trap myself. But when listeners who we become close to are in the area, you really make an effort to connect with them. Yeah, I try a little bit. I don't want to stretch myself too thin. I have a lot of things happening as you and I both yeah. do. But there's an opportunity to connect at least once. That's always a nice thing to do. And I'm always happy to meet friends, friends of ours, friends mm -hmm. of the show. And I like to converse. And if we can go out together and spread the word magnified by two, that's yep. even better. So I'll take it. Totally. But uh, because we all have plans, we need to get right down Let's to business. Let's do it. Let's get it's down to busyness. I <laughs> we are joined today to talk about something that I've been sitting on for a while. This is something that came out in December 2021. It was based on an article I had read from the LGBTQ Nation. I'm a subscriber to that channel. And the article itself, I'll just give you a very top end, the sizzle. Right. It says, best-selling LGBTQ book on Amazon is an anti-transgender picture book. Mm. So I'm like, what the F uh, in the in the O? I'll just read verbatim the first line, which is a pundit who attacked Pete and Chastin Buttigieg for having kids is now bragging about being, quote, one of the leading LGBT voices in the country right now, according to Amazon, end quote. So I looked up the book, Johnny the Walrus. So it's a children's picture book. Mm -hmm. And basically it talks about how Johnny likes to dress up as a walrus and Johnny is so in love with being a walrus. So they talked about surgery and the doctor can do the simple thing to make you have fins. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be very fanciful, but in reality, the undertone is like, listen, you know, you can't be a walrus. You need to be a boy. So oh. you, you have to be what you were meant to be, not be a walrus. So in, re in reality, this LGBTQ bestseller from Amazon in that wow. channel or in that category is actually anti-trans. Wow. And I was like, exactly. That's what my uh, response was like, what the F? Can you imagine being a parent of a trans child trying to say, I want to have a book for my children that yeah. I can read to my children that make them feel inclusive. And then let's say you don't necessarily read the book before you read the book to them. 
And then you're yeah, halfway through it going, wait a minute, this does not seem like the book I was supposed to be reading to my child. I'm not going to say that I know exactly everything about this author, but you know, he is against uh, same-sex parent adoption. He oh. thinks, you know, he thinks that uh, promoting trans agenda is against science. And again, people can go look up the book and the author, Matt Walsh. You can look him up on your own, but he seemed very excited to be like, I'm a leader and as a wow. LGBTQ voice with this anti-trans propaganda. Now, Unbelievable. yeah, right. So it's so interesting to me because I'm hoping I'd be curious to see what the reviews are. What the F is what we thought. (laughs) Like if it kind of highlights that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also we have so much information coming into our minds and, you know, phones and all this stuff. And I know it's really hard to vet kind of stuff, especially when you have these search engine words that, LGBTQ, you, you, you know, whatever it is. And, mm-hmm. and here this sneaky snake is sneaking in with the agenda to just, ah, I'm just, that bothers me on so many levels. Yeah, it does. And uh, ironically, as a result, either of the article or of some other pressure, Amazon.com changed the category listing from LGBTQ to political commentary and opinion. Thank God. So that's since December. Yes, since or December. Since, right. uh, or, or as my reading of the article. And that's a good thing because the point of this part of the topic is when you have a trans child and you want that trans child or queer child, you want to find stuff for that child or children that reflects who they are. So they feel that they can see themselves resonating in in other characters that they can associate themselves to and feel like oh i'm just like that person oh i'm not alone because i see this character in writing or in literature or in television or cartoons that speaks to who they are and that is why i'm in the middle i'm in the beta reading of my first draft of my own young adult Mm -hmm. sci-fi dystopian lgbtq positive book because i wanted it to have I wanted something for kids because since I have the affinity to write, I said, what better way to write both my self-help and my fiction, put it together and make it hopefully resonate with people. And right now I have several trans young adults reading this to let me know where I need to like bring in more. Didn't really resonate. My tone wasn't right to what their experience is. And, And that's important to me because I want all these kids to feel like they have somebody they can look to. In literature, not just picture books for like the preteens and, you know, the six-year-olds, but others who like, as they're growing up, love to read and love to find that and love to be like, I'm like that person. And I think that so much, it makes sense to me that the kind of fantasy realm speaks to a lot of transgender youth. It just makes sense. And why Dungeons and Dragons or that kind of realm of fantasy where you can have the two-spirit or dual gender or something fanciful, like um, mermaids being kind of a, a symbol for lots of transgender youth because they don't necessarily have a genitalia and they're so feminine in their presentation. And, and that has healed many, many kids when kind of sorting out down below. You have taught me that this is a huge genre in terms of not just, I mean, we have talked about cross-dressing specific fantasies or forced feminization fantasies. 
And then there's this giant world, this giant fantasy-based world where teenagers are writing stories and adults like you who have um, a very kind of whimsical, childlike sci-fi accessibility in terms of what speaks to you and how you can write through different characters of this realm. It must be so healing to have these kind of books out there, either written by individuals that this is kind of their personal experience or just having that, that resource for a child to be like, I can write this whole other world that is outside of me and my experience right now where I, where I or the character has total freedom, total acceptance. Yeah, so, yeah. E- yeah, even in the face of whatever the authoritative stigma of that universe may be. You know, sci-fi is a great mechanism for so much social commentary. Like you said, the high fantasy, uh, sci-fi, dystopian. There's so many ways that literature can be used to talk about something without overtly talking about something. And that's something else I want to key in with you about as a loving mother of a 10-year-old young woman. Uh, I love you, Rabbi. Uh, I wanted your opinion on how you feel about not necessarily the sudden inclusivity of more diverse characters in recent history, whether literature, television, movies. And I think that's important to have. My question to you is, when you're trying to convey this to your child, do you see the inclusion as being enough? Like, I have a character who happens to be this, but we don't make, like, we don't point to it. Like, Mm. do you feel it's more important to point to it? To say, hey, look, there's there's a genderqueer child in this story. Or do you just want to be part of the thread of this story and have it develop its own voice and, and not have to make it like, oh, everybody's talking about this right now. So let's make sure we make sure we talk about this right now. Well, I think it's a I think it's a combination of both. I think because of the work that I do and the community that kind of found me in terms of my life's purpose. I think that Remy has learned a lot. And I think the conversations we have around all of these changes are very authentic. You know, we'll watch documentaries where um, a boy can't use the bathroom or we'll watch a movie on a transgender girl. And, and I'll slowly kind of explain things like for many transgender individuals, I, I learned that, you know, going swimming is kind of, especially for trans girls, is kind of an issue. Mm. I don't know the trans boy story enough to really give input on that. I kind of marvel with her when TV has something that is trans appropriate or, or we're all trying to make sense of this world we're in. Because to be quite honest, Remy and I are at the perfect place to kind of soak in this newness, make mistakes, learn the thing. So I don't teach her in terms of like, I'm this woke individual specialist. Mm -hmm. I teach her in the way that I've heard or I've learned, or this is just what it is. Like being trans is not a choice. Like there are certain hard core issues that I kind of drill into her. I never say, you know, females have vaginas and male has I I don't, I haven't, I passed that. I was just silent during that kind of phase. and allow the world to kind of just settle in and, and, and have her know that I'm not perfect in this. I'm trying to understand. And, and when we have these conversations, say things like, I don't know, 
I just don't know why it is important to ask people their pronouns, you know, just, just different things that she's working through in her head. And I'm kind of there to provide information as I have it and then provide the fact that I don't know, or that's a really good question. Let's look into it or I'll find out because I have this beautiful well of individuals from a grand universe of different experiences that I can kind of pull from and say, you know, well, this is what someone I know has experienced. I don't know if every trans individual experienced that, but this is this is this specific person's story. Like every person is just different. Right. And I don't know if I answered your question, but <laughs> it, I, I do believe that I'm 50-50 with her. Yeah, that's fine though. You know, it's it, one of those things where I question, I question when people put stuff in because it's it, all of a sudden in the vernacular. Like, right. oh, oh, we have to do this because we have to be inclusive. I don't right. feel like people, I don't think that characters or storylines should be kind of specific to trans and LGBTQ just for the sake of having it okay. being included. I, I want, yeah. yeah, I want my story, like the story I'm telling and I'm writing. Yes, it is a parallel futuristic Right. You know, Hunger Games version of my own story is, you know, semi-autobiographical in some very, very faint way. And that is true to what I'm trying to do. But I'm also not trying to make it, I'm Johnny the Crossdresser. Yeah, you know, here's right. my story. I want to just be kind of a growing experience and like a coming of age story. Subtle little placement. So that kind of like when you're watching a movie or a show or reading a book, you know, you thread things together really quickly to make sense of who this is. Right. Right. Or who? Right. Right. So totally. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Like I'll, I'll give you a little, a little tidbit of something I had didn't put into the first draft, but I'm going to put into the second draft, which is, Ooh. I think you, uh, yeah, well, you and I talked about this, about how my sister like a narked on me about me looking mm-hmm. at the Sears catalog and looking at the, the women oh, yeah. in their underwear. And yep. so I realized I was like, man, that would be a perfect moment to kind of put into this child's like early development, like when we first meet this child, like he, and because it's futuristic and co- there's other things happening, is that how can I kind of tweak that into this dynamic of this story where he's looking at that for himself, quote unquote, you know, just talk about it, not be like, that's when Johnny realized that he was, right. yeah, just totally. like have it part of the thread. So when, when you get to the end of the story, it all cumulatively makes sense. Because a lot of times it's more about the struggle than it is about the the event, right? It's about you struggling through your life as a, as a teen, as a young adult, trying to deal with hormones and deal with the opposite sex and sexuality and, you know, all these things. So I want to be just a part of that fabric. Not like, like, Oh, let me do these five points that all lead to him. Let me token it out. Yes. Yes. Totally. And that bothers me when it's driven by fear that bothers me where people are trying to be so woke and they're trying to do the best they can. These cis individuals, myself included, are all just trying to do the best they can, but they don't know. They may not know a trans person. Yeah. They yeah. may not talk to a trans person and ask for their specific experience. They're coming up with ways to protect themselves and they're not getting to the guts of the individuals that are experiencing it. Right, for right. you, you are a passionate advocate and so you have lit and you have lived a transgender experience, your own unique one. Mm-hmm. Again, we're we're not shoving you to the side, not not <laughs> this girl. 
um, but you have experienced a transgender lens through your own, through the own marrow of your being. What better person to speak in this fantasy-based world without just having to be like, so-and-so is trans. I mean, you wouldn't talk that way anyways, but then there's something amazing where you can just paint this beautiful, colorful picture of this individual story. Mm-hmm. Then on the back, that is when you can get kind of specific and yeah. you can say, you know, there's no more shadowing. There's no more. They can figure it out because this is something that when a parent of a teen picks it up and reads the back or a child when they're at the bookstore and you would be in a section that would be transgender youth fantasy or. Uh, yeah, I'm not even sure how specific it could be. It'd definitely be young adult and it'd definitely be fantasy. fantasy. Yeah, it'd be very interesting. Once I'm done with it, that would be something I'm looking hard into to see like where and how it would be categorized. Um, it's funny. As soon as you said tokenizing, it reminded me of South Park because, mm-hmm. you know, they're all living in Colorado and <laughs> there's one black character and that character's name is Token. So they're making that point of, yeah, there's this token black kid who we have show up on the show every once in a while. Right. And the other thing I wanted to say is that luckily for us, and I think we kind of miss it a lot, at least especially as an adult, is that we don't even realize how much literature there is out there for queer youth. And the reason why is because the majority of it happens in comic books. Mm. So while we're thinking about high literature and like, you know, a, a published book, I don't want to discount the fact that comics right now is really part of this growing wave of inclusivity. I will say that, yes, comics in general sometimes um, kind of miss the mark and forget like, you know, how, how many women were like the genesis or the heroes of their own stories, you know, back in the early days in the 30s, 40s, 50s. But yet Wonder Woman was her own book's character, main character back in yeah. the 40s. So that's why people look up to one woman because she was so much that heroic figure and not beholden to a man. And was in this shortest, sexiest, leg-bearing, tit-showing, arms-exposed way to be. Well, that's right. because it was written by a man <laughs> exactly, and probably drawn by a man. And Hey, exactly. I loved it. And I aspire to that. Absolutely. I was um, like token feminist over here. Hey, <laughs> I mean, we could have an entire conversation about how women were drawn and really in a really in an over-exaggerated way. That was not believable. Um, totally, but, totally agree with that. We're not talking about that. No, we're not. That'll be another episode. But what I can yeah. say I wanted to point out a couple of things. Um, you know, Tim Drake in DC Comics, he was one of the Batman's Robin sidekicks. He came out as queer in the comics. Mm. Superman's son is bisexual. In the latest run of Wonder Woman, she has a girlfriend, somebody that I actually associated myself to, wish I was, or wish who I was, was Mystique from the X-Men because she was a shapeshifter. She could take the form of a man or a woman. So I always thought that was very appealing to me. You are adorable. Thank you. Can I just say like, (laughs) nerd, 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 nerd. But listen, you are just lit right now. And you're you're like, I can see your dual gender spirits poking out through your eyes, Savannah. You You are all encompassing, especially when you put on that white wig with the black roots. Oh, sick. Now, listen, <laughs> I know that. And I'm wondering, actually, because of your dual gender identity, I'm wondering if that's why, maybe, maybe not, 
comic books spoke to you at such an early age? It might have been. Absolutely. I was always drawn to comics. I was always drawn to the characters. I won't tell you that I was very overly specific. I only love female characters because of the way they're drawn. Because I love ensemble books that had, like, the Justice League of America or the Avengers. Mm. They had as many women as men in a lot of the runs. And I loved the fact that men and women were working together and saving the world or saving the universe, whatever it might be. In that way, yeah, I was always drawn to it. And whether it's because of the exposure to those storylines that I got to where I am or, you know, kind of adjusted the way I was or that became part of it, I don't know. But I do know that it's always been part of my fabric of Mm -hmm. like my upbringing. Really, like you said, Loved comics, had a stack of comics in my closet as a kid. You love unicorns. I did, actually. Now you're letting all all my secrets. Yes. As a, uh, probably from 16 to maybe 25, I ended up collecting all sorts of ceramic, porcelain, crystal unicorns of all shapes, sizes. That was like... Mm. Yeah. And that was like before unicorns were like a symbol for anything. Symbol of girldom. Maybe. It could be. Yeah, yeah it definitely was, was. You're absolutely right, actually, because that was one of the things where I would say I collected unicorn figurines and, you know, you would get looks and I'd have to kind of either backpedal or defend myself about my love for unicorns. And so, yeah, that was uh, definitely a part of my life or even that became like, well, I'm super proud and excited about these things, but I'm not going to share this with anybody. Right. Yeah. That's your little girl. I mean, just because you have experienced life mostly as a boy growing up, there's an inner boy and there's an inner girl part. Mm -hmm. It's very much, and I say this to a lot of my clients, it's very much active and thriving and has been throughout your life growing up there. And however it came out, she was always there. She's always been with you. So it's just, it's really nice that you had yourself in all, in all ways, even, even at that point of your life. Yeah, I think so. Thank you for revealing that because I mm-hmm. hadn't really thought about it in that way. I just knew it was something I loved to collect and I thought they were beautiful. And I really never thought about it being maybe part of the feminine uh, that I carry with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, last thing I want to really talk about, thank you so much for today, by the way. Uh, One of the things I wanted to really talk about also for parents and for young people listening, you know, while we talked about this Pete Walsh and his anti-trans book with lots and lots and lots of reviews, you know, it was highly regarded, quote unquote. I also, uh, if you know John Oliver from last week tonight, he's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. on-air commentary comedians. And he wrote a book called A Day in the Life of Marlon Bundo, uh, which is an LGBT children's book, which has almost 15,000 five-star reviews, which mm. I want to point out is, this is from reading age two to seven. So if there's somebody who's looking for a book that's uh, a children picture book, that is one I highly recommend because uh, it really is one of those books that is classically for inclusivity and queerness and how everybody deserves their place in the sun. And it's very well drawn and beautiful. And it says even here, a message of tolerance and advocacy, this charming bunny book for kids explores issues of same-sex marriage and democracy. So even that, yeah, it's a beautiful little book. Again, the illustration is fantastic. It would be great to have on your shelf. Luckily, this book has so much reach and so many positive reviews. I looked online for other books. The one that we talked about earlier, 
Right. The more reviews it gets, the more love it gets, quote unquote. And I, I don't want that. I want people like us, you and me, our stories, our publications, our children's books, things that are really that really are promoting inclusivity in all ways for the community. I want those to have a lot of reviews. And what I did find in today when I was looking through to see what was out there, we do have books. Yes, there's a plethora of LGBT books in fantasy and self-help and in all ways. I tend to find that they barely get a couple hundred reviews. Even if they're highly regarded, they're not being reviewed enough. And the one thing I would urge all of us who do buy that literature and download it or buy it in paperback or hardcover is to do your part to promote it to others. So yeah. they can find you more readily. Like if you just see the banner bestseller, like this other book that we don't like, people are going to assume that's the book to buy. And now you just put more royalties in their pocket. I want those unsung or undersung books that deserve your attention and deserve your love to get love, get positive reviews, put it out there, recommend it to a friend. That's the way that we promote queer literature in a way that makes it even more accessible, especially when it comes to like an Amazon where it's all based on number of books sold, number of reviews, and that makes it a bestseller versus the ones that should be bestsellers. I agree. I feel like it is our job to share information once we find it and not just hold it close and be like, sweet, I found this. This helps me so much. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like so often we're we're really, especially with the narcissism, with the, you know, selfies and, and Instagram and Facebook and all this, it's really important that we also give as well. And that is writing a review um, so that something like this does, doesn't happen. I totally agree. Um, also sharing positivity in terms of positive literature on Facebook. Yeah. That's another way to kind of extend this whistleblowing here's a here's a great book for the community because that's all parents are really looking for is who do I talk to that's going to help me who's Mm -hmm. who do I what do I need to read where do I need to go it's I don't know what to do please I need resources be a resource I'm speaking to the parents but as well as um everyone no matter what age it's really important oh my god that's so true I mean as a parent as I did my review and research for today's episode, I just looked up on Amazon cross-dressing. And mm-hmm. we've spoken about this before. So if a partner of a cross-dresser or a parent of a cross-dresser is looking for that book, first thing I find, even so, under cross-dresser, just that keyword, I found a lot of erotica mm-hmm. at the very onset. And you're talking about a parent or partner trying to sift through all that to find what they need is not going to be. But if I put in cross-dressing book, my Mm. book comes up. Some of the more the helpful books come up at the top and then erotica comes right after that. So in that way, you're right. In order to promote resource material and, and helpful material, that is important to get the word out about those because for a parent just learning or just mm-hmm. discovering or just interacting with their child in a way that's bringing these questions to bear into mind, it right. is super, super important to, for them to know very quickly where to go to find that and information. Or, other. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that was just a well, I mean, that was just a gem that you just gave. And that's to look up cross dressing Mm -hmm. for all the significant others that are listening and all the cross dressing individuals that are listening. You know, cross dresser has a different, (laughs) a different set of book, a different book list. And then, but cross dressing is, you know, is where you want to be. Yeah. And like I said, and I'm sure gender or transgender or LGBTQ, those are all yeah. going to be important terms to use. But as we've seen at the onset of this episode, why I was so triggered is that even looking in that category for the best selling book, it was actually anti um, to what you were looking for. So be careful for what you look for. Be diligent for what you look for. Maybe not go to Amazon. Maybe go somewhere else first and say best books for my trans youth. And then you can see a top 10 list and then review, look at those and see which one appeals to you. And then go to Amazon and find the book to buy it or wherever you want to buy it in bookstores, uh, where you find your, your digital downloads, wherever it might be. I'm not touting Amazon is the best place to go. And as we can see, it can be one of those things that's misleading. And we want to make sure that for people trying to get positive resource material to please be patient, please be diligent, please do uh, the investigation and know that not everything's going to be perfect for you, but you will find it. And maybe you you can uh, talk to other people who have that resource already readily available. Mm -hmm. Sharing is caring, peoples. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) But I know that you have your bags packed and you're getting on a jet plane. Wait, that's not true. You're just driving. No. Ah, it's local. Um, but I'm super excited for you uh, to go on your your mini vacation, your little weekend getaway to, <sighs> meet, to meet your peeps. So that's exciting. A night of joy and spirit and queens and yes. sisters. Yes, yes. But thank you. I'm, 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 I will make... You know, yes, my time is limited, but I will always make the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Oh, yeah. I will always make our connection, our recording, our podcast a a priority. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm so, so appreciative. As you do. As you do every day of the week when you're editing. I try. Yes, I do put, yes, I give us priority and make sure we... um, I learn as I go. I learn, get better at editing. And hopefully uh, to our listeners, we you can see that we're getting better and we have more things coming at you. And again, this is one of those timely topics that just kind of fell into my lap because of an article. Mm. And as a writer, and as a writer going through trying to make something positive uh, for the community, at least for the young adults, um, this kind of hit home. And because it hit home, it kind of gave me a little bit more passion to talk about it than Mm -hmm. maybe other things that was like, I rely on you to give me fashion. I rely on you to talk about my A-lines and my uh, things to do to make those things better. But for me, writing, and you are a writer, so I obviously know that you have a stake in this as well, in what material is out there and, and how to craft a story. And as a parent, what do you tell your child and how do you engage with your child with literature so just know Uh, go ahead um i i I do know that there are certain episodes and our content is always something that i feel is stellar but there are certain topics that we come up with that definitely feel like we have the the passion the passion coming in and that it's really really important to us so 
you may hear an episode that you can tell that this is, you know, definitely a Savannah episode where it's something <laughs> that you're super passionate about. There's, you know, I did a style one, which I bear a lot of difficulty listening to my voice for that amount of time. I, I thought know. it was amazing. I Thank loved you. it. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. So when we can highlight our, our wheelhouse, we definitely have a, a higher standard of, you know, we feel responsible to bring content that is really true to something that is in our soul and in our guts of who we are as an individual. So I just want to thank you, Savannah, for bringing it today as you always do. And I hope my, my chitta chatta didn't get in the way of you, (laughs) you know, sharing and expressing a, a really passionate episode. And I hope you all enjoyed listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please tune in every Wednesday mm-hmm. when a new episode airs. And you can find that on all of the channels where you listen to your podcast. And Savannah, bye for now. Until next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing, and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at Julie MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses anchor copyright 2022 yes nailed it if you enjoy our content and want to make it easier for others to find us please share with your friends tap the subscribe or follow button to the show wherever you're listening give it a five-star rating or leave a review and for show ideas or comments contact us through the podcast on facebook at fox and phoenix podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix podcast underscore.